Amen. So we're going to continue talking about hope and um, <clears throat> how important it is for us to hope because I think if you have hope, faith is is not far behind it. Amen. Uh, hope seems to be the dominant, uh, uh, I guess you could say, force that we need so that when we desire something, uh, you can you can add faith to it to make it real. You have to have hope just to get up every morning. We talked about that some. You've got to have a hope. There's something you get up for. Something motivates you. And whatever your motivation is, that is what you hope for. Amen. When you add the faith of God to it, it comes to pass and it's all good. No, no, your blessings will come without sorrow. Amen. If you try to bring it to pass yourself, you attach sorrow to it because there's no way you can, through your human flesh, escape the curse. It's gonna, it's gonna find you. Amen. Because that is attached to the things of the world. It's attached to worldly, uh, methods, worldly, uh, uh, means of doing things. Uh, so, so in order to have blessings without, without sorrow where you can enjoy them and you can enjoy them from day one on, uh, you have to do it God's way. You've got to attach the word of God to what you're doing and you have to do, uh, you have to obey God. You have to live for God. You, I mean, these, this is for covenant people. It's not for casual people. Amen. It's like being married. When you want to be married, when you get mad, you go sleep with somebody else. Let me go to the Presbyterian. You know, there's a real big Presbyterian church down the street where I am sure they would love to have a guest speaker just waltz in out of nowhere. Well, that's the way the Bible describes it. I'm not saying nothing God don't say. Read your Bible. Everybody come to church and, <laughs> oh, my goodness, clutching your pearls and carrying on and acting like I said something wrong. Amen. It's right in heaven, it's right in earth, and it's right under the earth. Amen. All three realms. Truth is true. <laughs> so God, the God's covenant is for committed people, folks. You know, we can we can try if we want to to mock God and do things our way and think we're going to have a good life but you're not amen you cannot mock god whatever you sow you're going to reap amen it's good if you can sow righteous seed that's what we're here for to learn how to sow in righteousness so that we can reap in mercy amen mercy is god's blessings coming to you non-stop amen yeah you're not we're not really earning anything down here we just barely most of us who are doing right barely doing what's right. You understand? We we just wondered if you, oh oh really I did that right? Oh my! <laughs> so so it's just good to always understand that God's mercy is on your side when you obey Him. And so one of the one of the things that we we do when we obey God is we live in the hope that what we are believing for will come to pass. See, that's another realm of hope, too. Many times we're not sure of of what we're hoping for. Is it really possible? Would God really do this? I mean, 
just, you know, when you think about it, some of the things that we, even the things you want on your own without God's word are pretty astounding, you know, considering where we are and where we come from. You, you take uh, children who are, are born into poverty. Uh, they dream of having a large home and, and uh, family and all the things that go with it. And where they're sitting right there, that's pretty fantastic when you think about it. But isn't that what God, that's why God comes into our lives, to make the impossible possible, to make our hopes and, and dreams come real, come true. And so he is the author of hope when he puts, sometimes when he puts ideas into a, a child's mind and they start to speak from the, those ideas, that's God giving them something to look forward to. Because if you don't have anything to look forward to, you'll die. You understand what I'm saying? You'll just wander around. You'll be a dead person walking. You wander from pillar to post wondering what's for you, what's not for you. And and all. And, and many times people who are hopeless are afraid to dream and afraid to hope when something comes into their lives where, where God wants to bless them. And, and they're just afraid to reach out for it. You know, they're just kind of like. Oh, really? You know, sometimes you, you get a prophecy and you're stunned. You know, God, is that how you really see me? Is that what you want me to do? Is is that what my life is going to be about? And many times we are kind of taken aback. And so that's when God's word needs to come in and start making that real. It starts manufacturing uh, reality for us so that we get accustomed to what what they call the finer things in life amen so god makes us he has to give us faith so that we can grow accustomed to it because if you don't walk this walk of faith and you don't let god develop your faith for things when good things come into your life you won't recognize them you reject them because they they seem so foreign to you or they seem so out of place and so don't despise uh when god walks you through certain things you think it's taking too long for this or when's it going to happen or or all that he's acclimating us to our new life he's getting us accustomed uh to you know how it is when you you first uh you know find water you know won't go swimming or go in the ocean or something you go up you don't just dive in there you acclimate yourself to that because that, that temperature of that water can be quite a shock to you if you just expose your whole body to it. And so most people will cautiously approach something new and, and get themselves wet a little bit in it and, and start wading in it a little bit, making sure it's safe uh, and can accommodate you. And that faith, faith is just like that water, that ocean that we need to get accustomed to first. And then God can bring the rest of it to us. That's why faith is a lifestyle. It's a walk. We're being acclimated to God's environment every moment of every day. Every day that you live, God is introducing you to new things about himself. He's introducing you to different attributes that he has, different ways that he has of doing things. Uh, how he would speak to you, things he wants you to get involved in, things he wants you to do. He's acclimating us to those things so that when we he delivers the whole thing, we're accustomed to it already. We're not rejecting it. We're not saying that's not what we want. We're not afraid of it anymore. All that that kind of stuff. 
uh, in, in that we're, we're, um, uh, respectful of it, I, I think. I think that's the one thing I, I want to say that, that the life of faith causes us to be respectful of what God's doing, you know, and not just reject it outright, like, you know, this is something that I couldn't get accustomed to. You see, he does that with everybody, you know, you could see that in the life of Moses. Moses had to get accustomed to God's voice and, and what God was showing him and and the uh the majesty of God and, and uh the awesomeness of God and the signs and wonders that God was gonna perform. He Moses had to get used to all of this stuff was new to him. He was used to, you know, being the uh the guy that was hiding out from the law. So he goes from being a renegade to somebody who's going to lord it all over the Pharaoh now. God said, I'm going to make you a god to him. And I'm going, whoa. He was running from him not too long ago. You understand me? So now he's elevated over in authority over and above the Pharaohs. And so this is what God is doing with us with the walk of faith, y'all. He gives us a desire in our heart for something more than what we have now. Nobody wishes for less. He he always gives us a vision for something more. It gives us a desire for something more. It gives us a taste for something more, not less. And so uh, hope is going to elevate us out of uh, the the way of living that we have, our normal way of life. It's going to put us into a a whole different realm uh, of living and a whole different realm of endeavor. And so hope is very, very necessary for us to, it paints a picture of where we're going. And then faith is the vehicle that gets us there. Amen. So they both have to work together. But you need hope first because many people have have hoped for certain things long before they run into God and he gives them faith to get the job done. So hope can keep you going for a lot of years. Amen. It keeps going for a long time. You'll ask small children, what do you want to be when you grow up? And when they get grown up, they're still holding on to the same thing. You know, some of them are. Many of them, you modify it as you go along in life. You know, you you kind of get it into a more a manageable hope, but you still have to hold on to it that one day it will happen. And this is what God does with us with hope. And this is why it's so important and so necessary. I know faith is important, too, but your your faith has to be aimed at something. It has to be taking you somewhere. So in the realm of healing and miracles, there is such a thing as as uh, false hope where people are are quick to want to accuse people who have put their faith in God as having false hope. So we kind of need to explore that a little bit because that will come up in your conversations when you talk about taking a person from a hopeless situation into one where they have they've mastered the things in life where they have a grasp on it, where they have confidence and where they have all of the things that go with the total picture of what what they are looking for out of life. There's always this accusation that will come as giving people false hope. And so we need to explore that and get to understand when hope is not false and when it is false. Because there are times when, uh, and I've seen it, where people uh, think they've been in faith for something for God. We've all been there, you know. 
for for the most part, we correct ourselves and we keep believing God. But there are situations where people um, hold on to some kind of a delusional aspect of thinking, and they don't really have a solid foundation in God's word and obedience to God's word to keep them going so that they can can rightfully recognize that promise. They can reap that harvest, and that harvest will come in for them. So uh, in the area of healing, there are people that um, uh, will will have people to accuse them of giving people false hope. When you tell them that God will give them a miracle, I can tell you right now, if you ever put up a poster that says signs, wonders, and miracles, you're going to get more people complaining and and discouraging people from even going. I've never heard of them before. You better be careful. You know, why is that? Because people don't like to be disappointed themselves. And the other thing, too, is your hope will always pass judgment on somebody who is hopeless you ever see people when you can believe for great things in god and people will come up and criticize you out of nowhere or people will come and make fun of you and say oh yeah well you know or or if you're a minister and you're beginning to to pray for the sick and people will say well don't be giving them people false hope now i see people they they people die of that disease what's the doctor say the first thing they want to know is they want some backup for their unbelief. So they'll ask you to give them some some uh, medical reports or something else from, from Google, like they know something about God. You know, they, they always have you go to the godless sources for some kind of validation or some kind of argument against what you're trying to encourage people to do to put their trust and their faith in God. And you may not have even seen a miracle yet, but yet you're a threat to somebody else. How is that? You're not even trying to pretend to be an expert in the field of miracles, but the minute you say you expect one, all hell breaks loose against you. Now, why is that? It's because your word has power. Are you kidding me? That's how people are going to be healed by the word. So the minute you get that word out of your mouth, all hell breaks loose against you, trying to stop you, talk you out of it, make you feel ashamed, take it back, think it over, reconsider. Amen. And so the fact that you have the confidence and the boldness to even say you're going to pray for somebody to get better once they're sick. Well, that's stage four. I don't care. We, I got stage Jesus. Jesus is on the scene. Amen. As long as he shows up, I don't have no power to heal nobody, but I know him and I know he will. Amen. And so this is, this is the lifestyle of the pe- person that carries hope in them. You're going to have to carry hope wherever you go and you're going to be fought every step you take. Amen. Every step of the way, the devil's going to fight you. To lose hope, to let go of hope. Because if you do, if you let go of hope, that faith is not even an issue. You know, cause, cause hope is, is, is on its way somewhere and faith will catch up with you at some point. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? God will see to it that the faith is added. All he wants to see is somebody is down here expecting him to do something big. It's his job to bring the faith into the picture. Amen. And so when when God's involved, don't worry about the outcome. All he wants is somebody to believe him and get the ball rolling. And then he'll do the rest of it. It's got to be like that. And so when your hope is in God, it is never false. Now, if you're hoping in some herbs or you're hoping in some some uh rituals and some sage burning, I don't know what all people do out there. You know, they're a little funny stuff and, and want to sit up and do the yoga and do all that. If that's where your hope is, your misery, you're going to be so disappointed. Amen. And it's amazing to me them people never quit. They can convince Christians to quit going to church, quit believing God, but quit believing for their miracle. But then they keep doing their little stuff over there. So they're on assignment to discourage you and to talk you out of the hope that you have, that you have put in God. So in Psalm 25 and verse 2, it says, oh, my God, I trust in you. In other words, yeah, my hope is in you. Let me not be ashamed. Don't let my enemies triumph over me. Yes, let none that wait on you be ashamed, but let them be ashamed that transgress without cause. In other words, let the sinner be ashamed of his words. Let him eat his words, but don't let me be ashamed. And see, this is the one thing that keeps us from expressing what we hope for is the fear of shame. Because it, it might take some effort for you to get it out of your mouth. Know why? Because shame makes you push it back in there. Why? Because it doesn't want it. It would. It would. Your 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 human beings would rather die than have to say they were wrong. And they're afraid if they hope for something too big, they're going to wind up not getting it, and the shame is going to come. So shame shows up before you even confess what you want. You ever been praying and, and wanting to ask God for something and it's, it's kind of like in you to say it and then you think it over again and you say something that's cheaper, costs less, bargain. You know what I'm talking about. I remember one time the Lord told me, he said, I wish you quit lying when you pray. You talking to me? <laughs> you talking to me? <laughs> you talking to me? You understand what I'm saying? Because what do you do? You, you Something is in your heart that you really want, but then you change it. Make it a little less value, a little less fantastic, a little less hopeful, a little less, no, a little less everywhere. Amen? And so shame is very, very important for us to overcome. You got to figure out how you're going to deal with it. You can either ignore it. You can say, come on in here, shame, and watch me say this. Invite him to your tea party. Amen. Or tell him to hide and watch. Well, shame, you better go over in the corner and hide because I'm sure going to ask God for it. And I'm going to expect it too. Because he's a great God. He's a good God. He put it in my heart to want this. See, this is the thing. 
If this, if this is what God wants to hear, he wants to hear what's inside of you. You got to recognize it. And you got to not be ashamed of it, not be ashamed to say what you want. Keep changing it. Keep lying. Because that's all I was doing, lying. If God didn't put it in your heart to want it, amen, why should you be ashamed to speak it? He put it in there. God, I don't know why this keeps coming up in my spirit. You know them spirit people. It keeps coming up in my spirit every time I get, I don't know what this is about. You need to say it. Because as long as it's just in there, it ain't going to happen. Say it again. You need to say it. Because as long as it's merely in there, it's not going to happen. It'd be a lot of, like a lot of dreams. People say stuff like, um, something told me. You ever been there? Something told me to say that. Well, how come you don't listen to something and obey him sometimes? This is after the fact, after it comes to pass and everybody. See, there's no shame there. It's out there. It's happened already. So there's no shame in owning it. Scaredy cat. Wimp. Huh? The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. Where's your boldness? Huh? You gotta have that. You can't. Jesus was never ashamed of anything. He spoke anything he did. He would preach right in front of them Pharisees and they'd be getting mad and burning up and hey, he just uh, kept up preaching and got up and healed people right in front of them on the Sabbath day. He was never afraid of what the Father put on his heart to do. Amen? You know, and we have that. You know, I was, I was, uh, listening to a, a sermon and, and the Lord, I started meditating on what God was saying here. And he, what he told me, he reminded me of this. He said, you have the spirit of Christ in you. And I said, yeah, you know, Jesus lives in me. And he said, well, he was from the tribe of Judah. Do you know what that means? Everybody, yeah, 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 y'all don't have a clue. What does that mean? What does it mean that he's from the tribe of Judah? Quit mumbling over there, Alicia. Come on now. You call it uh, Uber louder than that. Huh? I'm, I'm not going to take you back to Genesis 48, but you know Judah. He's a lion's whelp. Yeah, he's a lion's whelp. Uh, the whelp is the, the younger one. Boom, pounce on you. That's how the boldness, that's why we have boldness. That's our heritage. That's our DNA. That's how you can go boldly, amen, and witness to people you've never seen before. The lion of Judah comes out. There was also a, a line of kings. Amen. You rule over stuff. That's why you ain't scared to bind the devil and tell him he can't do this. And that. But Judah lives in you. Amen. 
So we got to start being true to our DNA, true to our heritage, and quit being ashamed of, of things that God gives you to say confidently out in the open in front of everybody. Amen. And continue to say it. Any chicken can say something one time, get bold enough to go and do something one time. But if this is who you are, you'll do it consistently. You'll do it continually. So you have that boldness and that confidence. You have that fearlessness in you. You're not scared of all these little wimp voices telling you, yeah, 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 you can't do this. Who you think you are? <laughs> huh? You don't even have to answer them back. That's why every time you get up to go do something, you get all these little voices. Who you think you are? What you going to do? Huh? And don't give money. Don't give a large sum of money you've never given before. They just as soon kill you. You'll never get that back. No, I'm not going to get that back. I'm getting that and more, devil. Good measure. Press down. Shaking together. And running over. Amen. Let the devil intimidate you. Hoping for the things that God wants is never false hope, folks. You are not to be ashamed. When God tells you he's going to do something for you, you receive it boldly, boldly, you declare it boldly. You must have godly expectations. When you want a miracle, you've got to step boldly out and declare what it is that you already have. That's heaven's language. I have this. I have that. Oh, boy, don't say you have it already. Every devil in hell is going to come looking for you, knocking on your door, tell you, well, if you got it, where is it at? I got it. I'm not showing it to you. I have to show you nothing, devil. Huh? Get thee behind me. Amen. And don't show them a thing. It's not this ain't show and tell. This is between you and your God. As long as God hears it, that's all you need to hear it. But devils are gonna listen too. Say, devil, listen and tremble. Because it's coming. God's gonna bring it to pass. He's gonna bring it to pass. Now there are people that think they're holding on to a promise of God and are not. And we say we've all been there before. You learn your lesson. You learn how to let let faith start to work in you. God will correct you and help you. But then there are people who are adamant about the fact that they are waiting on something from God and they're not. And these are people who are not engaged in the word. They're not engaged in faith. They're just hoping something's going to happen and they don't have a clue how it's going to happen. The person who is in faith understands exactly what God's word says he's going to do. And they're expecting the word to come to pass. And they are walking in obedience to God. So there's nothing standing between their faith and God's heart. You got it. When God said when he says, when you stand praying, forgive, if you have anything against anybody, I would say clean your clock anyhow. Right, you while you out there, get your clock clean. You know, it's like uh you know, when you go to the go to the um oil change people, you know, that big sign says oil change. And then when they get the hood up, you say, Well, could you look at so and so and such and such while you're on there? You know, oil change. 
that's all we do is what they're trying to say to you but you know when they get up under there they looking and if you want some more information you tell them what you want them to look at you got me and this is what we do when we come before god get your clock cleaned god is there anything god i'm waiting on you to do so and so show me if there's something i need to do to be more pleasing to you something i need to do or something i need to believe or give me instruction or how to strengthen my faith i find my faith this is the time this ain't no time to skip through there and pretend like you never do anything wrong why would you why would you pass up the opportunity for self-improvement this will get you off of everybody's list that that tells you how to lose 20 pounds in three days do you understand what i'm saying but them them uh, fake miracle people this will get you off their list amen and this will get you on god's list of getting perfected in the right place amen in the inward parts that's what he's looking to to help and to clean up and to to beautify and glorify he's not putting jewels on our physical body he's putting jewels inside amen that's who we are we're glorious on the inside he looks at your inner man not your outer we so busy dialing up everything and doing this and doing that 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 avails nothing he wants us to to take that time with him to find out things that need to be improved things that need to be adjusted and it's not anything that you're going to do. You're going to allow him to do it by his spirit. This is just getting his permission. He's just getting your permission to help you with these things. Why? So you can live a better life. Everybody wants everything fast. Overnight. Why am I waiting so long? Uh, standing in, in his presence at the door and examining yourself might be a way to find out how to hasten that process. You got me? It's all about self-improvement. It's all about improving you. It's not about indicting you for anything. Grow up. You know, Christians, you know, we we live like baby Christians forever. My goodness, we scared to say we're wrong. Scared to go to somebody and apologize. Scared to go to yeah, that's gonna mean I'm wrong. Yeah, you're wrong. And you're wrong twice if you don't do it. Good measure. Press down, shake it together, running over. But we need to get over ourselves. All this self-importance. And I'm right. What does it matter if you're right all the time if you don't have the things you need from God? What is your right doing for you? We strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Skip over the important parts. Because our heads are in the wrong place. This is a heart thing. You know, and sometimes God is wanting to bless us so much, he'll cause some glitches to come in the process just to drive us to him so that he can work with us and help us and explain to us all these things that we need. We need to know so much, so much. So if your hope is in God and in his word, it is not false hope. There are people that that go to an early grave because they thought they were in faith and they weren't because they didn't stop to ask God. Do you understand? 
assuming can get you in a lot of trouble. Amen. Because they don't ask God. They don't live a a life of repentance and a life of of uh, confession of faults and forgiveness toward one another and forgiveness before God. You know, they just walk about life as, as though nothing's going on, but yet they won't take pills. They won't be faithful with their medication. They won't do all of those things because they're assuming they're in faith and nothing could be further from the truth. And it is a shame because many times those people are consistent Christians. They're under the word, but the devil's got them hung up somewhere in something they refuse to look at. Something they refuse to examine. When God says examine yourself, even at the communion table, judge yourself. Look within and and look and see and let me help you to see what's in there that's causing a glitch in your progress. It's a good thing. Amen. It's always a good thing. But that'll keep you out of false hope. It'll keep you out of false believing. It'll keep you out of thinking that God is doing this for one reason. He's doing for something totally different. Amen. And, and trust God in the process to bring you to that place where you can receive everything that he has for you. Amen. You've got to receive it all. So so we have to be quick to believe God, not not quick to get angry or quick to to assume things, but be quick in believing God. When that word comes forth, just grab it and say, God, thank you for that word. I believe your word and add that word to what it is that you're you're working on in your life. Every week that we meet, God is adding something to your spiritual house. He wants to add more confidence. He wants to add more encouragement. He wants to add more word, more ability of you to believe and believe God for great things. Because he wants to, the only way God does is great. He does the miraculous. He He's supernatural. He's not going to work in a kind of a, a, a average uh, level of doing things. He's going to do things in a miraculous fashion, way above, exceeding and abundantly. Beyond your little imagination, you know, what you can ask or think. So if, but he, if he can't get us to the basics, how's he going to get us to Beyondville, you know, where he wants us to live all the time? He wants us to live beyond. He really does. He doesn't want you just living average and, and thinking average and, and believing average. He wants you to believe his word, believe that he will do beyond what we ask or think. So when you hope in God, you are that is never a false hope. And don't let anybody discourage you from praying for the sick or believing God for a miracle or believing him for an immediate manifestation or immediate turnaround. Don't let anybody discourage you from from believing God to do that. And especially where doctors are involved. You know, I ask God to heal people. I don't ask him to work through the doctors and work through. You know, you don't tell him how to work. He don't need nobody to help him. He's got all by himself, whether doctors are involved or not. Now, the doctor maybe need to have his mind blown. When it reverses in his word, he got to eat his words. Amen. Where he thought it wasn't possible. Maybe that's where God wants to work today. So we just leave it out there for God to do it. 
He knows how he wants to do things. So when our hope is in him, it is never false. Don't ever back up. When somebody accuses you of giving someone false hope, you just tell them, nope, our hope is in God. And it's never false. I'm not going to do anything. God's going to do this. Amen. And he sent me here to pray for this person so he can do it. He needs somebody to pray for these people. And that's me. I volunteer. Amen. Or drafted or you don't know why you're there. But anyway, you show till my shoulder. Amen. So hope always expects God to answer. In Psalm 38, we might have had that before. We'll do it again. Psalm 38 and verse 15. For in thee, O Lord, do I hope. You will hear. Hear me, lest otherwise they should rejoice over me. So we want God to hear us so that the naysayers won't be able to say God couldn't do it. Or you were wrong. See, we put ourselves in there a little too much. No, God, if, if they're going to make fun, it's because they think you can't do something. I told them you were going to do this. I'm not going to do anything. But pray and ask you and believe that you'll do it. But other than that, God, you've got to show up big for me. you got to do something here, Lord. Amen. <laughs> I remember asking God one time about something. I said, God, did you hear me? And like that, the thing turned around. Do you understand what I'm saying? It just small things like that. How could he work with them? That wasn't no uh, real prayer. Not the way we think about prayer. You know, not textbook prayer. You know, it's like you got to worship for 10 minutes and lift up holy hands and make sure he's with you. Feel the presence. Then get a word of knowledge and pray that through. And God, did you hear me? Amen. Israel sighed and God turned that whole thing around. He got them out of captivity just because they said they were so tired of being slaves. You got me? That was a prayer. He said, I've heard you sighing. And I'm thinking, there was no altar there. There was no sacrifice there. Hello? Hello? The thief on the cross, we don't know what his doctrine was. He just believed Jesus. He rebuked that other dude for making fun of him. And he said, hey, Lord, can you get, can you get me in? I know it's late and I know my, but I think you can punch my ticket. <laughs> you understand me? Don't ever be discouraged. You know, you get around people that have lived for the devil for many, many years and you think they're too bad. Pray for them people. Email, ask God to punch their ticket. Send a repentance, Lord. Make it real. Let it be real. Amen. But that's what we want. So, so when we hope in God, we need to expect him to answer. So hope expects God to answer. Amen. The other thing is hope gives us rest. If your mind is in turmoil and you don't really understand what's going on and just grab onto your hope again. Amen. Uh, in Psalm 16, verse 9, it says here, Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoices. My flesh, see, your heart's glad. Those are your innermost beings. Well, when, when your hope is in God, 
it extends all the way out to your flesh. It causes your flesh to be peaceful and not impulsive and looking for the next thing to do. You want your flesh to rest in hope. Amen. And once your hope is in God, you can put away all the nervousness, all the wondering, all the pondering, all the conniving, all of the scheming, all of the that. When your hope is in God and you don't move it out of him, you can put away the shenanigans. Amen. Because your heart can rest in that. You can trust God. He's going to bring you the desires of your heart. Except it won't be slipshod, it won't be shady, and it won't be illegal, you know, and immoral. He'll bring it to you the right way. Amen? Because he wants to bless his people. He wants to bless the saints. You have strength in hope. Hope makes you strong. Psalm 31. As long as you get up every morning and you're expecting God to answer that prayer that you went to sleep believing in, you know, and, and keep you going every day, you, you'll you have strength. You, you'll you get up. It, it causes you to be motivated, but not only motivated, but it gives you a plan to get it done. See, that's when your steps get ordered. It says in verse 24, be of good courage. And he will strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. So be a good, be that lion. Amen. Ready to pounce. Be of good courage. Amen. Not bad courage to do shenanigans, but good courage. Amen. And, and let God strengthen your heart. When you hope in him, he will bring strength to you. Amen. So don't ever uh, be weary. Just let your mind start to meditate on on what god talks to you about what did what do you want me to do today father to give me a plan show me what to do first amen sometimes that'll blow your little situation you thought you had a plan already you ever had that happen to you say god you know what let me let me let you show me what the first thing to do today It'll mess your head up, flip everything all the way around. You thought you had your little organized, you know, your little organizer you get, your list of duties and your checklist and all that kind of stuff. He'll blow your little checklist mind. You got me? You start letting him start your day off. And where you used to have uh, disappointments and discouragements during the day, you won't have any. You won't have not a one. Because he'll give you such hope and such encouragement that you'll know it's coming. See, you'll know your efforts are going to pay off. Why? Because you included him in the outset of it. Amen. And Psalm 33, 18. I think I did that one already. 33. Yeah, hope guarantees the mercy of god in your life it guarantees the mercy of god in your life as long as you have hope mercy will show up why because it comes in the heels of faith faith will always show up when you are hoping for something it's guaranteed i don't care who you are what you do where you go faith is looking for you it is knocking on your door trying to get in so that it can it can marry your hope 
so that they can produce what it is that you're looking for, what you hope for. It says here, behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him. I mean, he's looking at you. If you worship him, he looks at you. Upon them that hope in his mercy. Amen. So you're hoping that God will bless you with whatever. That's his mercy is blessing. Your blessing comes out of the mercy of God. So you you have a hope here that God will produce mercy for you, that he will come through for you in a big way. Amen. Mercy is not a little trickle. You know, don't play mercy cheap. She pretty expensive. Amen. Mercy will bring the overflow. The good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, comes through the mercy of God. Amen. It says, be merciful to me, a sinner, Lord, and you get saved. Well, well, you got everything when you got born again. Everything that God has was transferred over into your account. Amen. So you can draw from it by faith. So all you got to do is learn faith and learn how to obey God and love God and treat him right. Amen. Let him him uh, guide your footsteps every day. And you've got what you need. Amen. You've got what you want from God. And so God allows us to to uh, lean into his mercy at all times. These are mercy is something that you can't believe God enough for. You know, look, people, they make a big deal of faith. You know, I mean, and I know we had to emphasize faith at a point in the history of the church so we could learn it. Whatever you're learning, you're emphasizing. You know, if if you're in medical school, you got to take chemistry at least two or three years. You, you understand? You focus on that because it's so important to the rest of what you're doing. But chemistry ain't everything. You can't just think chemistry when a, a live patient is laying down there in front of you. you got to put it all together with some other stuff so you can help that person. And this is what faith is. Faith is what we put together with everything else. To bring to pass what God has for us. Because many people think faith, big faith means instant results. Amen. And you might be hanging on for some time with your big faith. Well, God, my faith is big. It's big enough. How come I don't have it? Because it ain't about big. And it ain't about little. And it ain't about you. It's about God bringing it to pass. He's still got to minister over all of our wonderfulness. You know what I'm saying? Uh, You know, I got this right. I got to get that right. I got to get this right. Got to get that right. Yeah, right. And and wait (laughs) until the proper time. Amen. So it's not instant by any means. I mean, we, we may want it instantly. But that, and we may believe, be believing God for now. I have it now. Where is it? Ain't showed up yet, but God's got it. He's bringing it to pass. That's the best we can say. Amen. But you must hold on to now. You can't put your faith off in the future somewhere. Hope is in the future where it belongs. Faith is now. Because faith stays expecting. And it goes to bed expecting. And it gets up the next morning expecting. For now. Did you get that? See, a lot of times people, if they don't get it today, 
wonder what happened to go to bed disappointed. Don't you ever do that. Don't you date disappointment for one night. I wish the kids weren't here. Because you adults need to hear some truth. You understand what I'm saying? Because it'll multiply on you. Why? Because the next morning you're disappointed again. So you conceive something through the night. It matters how you end your day. Wondering. Thinking about over and over again how much trouble you had all day long. Keep it up. Keep it up. Amen. So your faith gets up expecting, goes to bed expecting for it to happen now. Any minute your faith is ready. Any minute. Well, it didn't happen today. Faith is still expecting. Faith say, what you talking to me about it for? I'm expecting. You better get in here with me. Amen. Or you going to be without. Keep nursing doubt. Keep nursing disappointment. Keep keep dating those things and see where you wind up. You can't afford disappointment. You can't afford discouragement. Well, everybody, you ain't everybody. You're a child of the king. Act like it. He tell Job that. He said, get up out that bed. And Job be like, but I got these swords and I got these boils. He said, boils and all. Get up and put some clothes on. On top of my boils? Yeah, on top of your boils. But, 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 but I said, get up. When Job started acting healed, he got healed. As long as he was laying down, he's sick. You ever notice that in the Bible? When people started acting like who they were, they got there. Huh? That's what faith is. Faith causes you to be. And see, God wants us to be faithful in expressing our faith. Because he sees you, he hears you, he knows the whole show. So you might as well stay in faith, even if you're only halfway believing it. Know what I mean by that? Doubt is making a ping pong ball out of your brain. Huh? Like a little hockey puck. I do, I don't, I do, I don't, I do, I don't. I believe I am. I'm I'm, I'm healed, I'm sick, I'm healed, I'm not. Huh? You can be like that sometimes. But at the end of the day, I still believe God. God, I'm going to bed expecting. I'm getting up in the morning expecting. Amen. I'm going to stay in expectation. And when you get what you're expecting for, have something else you're holding on to, expecting for some more. You got me? God, this isn't the end of the trail. Just because I got this, it doesn't mean that I'm set for life. I'm after more. Amen. Always be after more. Why? Because there's more there. You haven't seen the total of the vision yet. You've just seen a piece of it. God can only show you enough so you know your mind, so you ain't drunk and your mind is blown for three days. And you got to drag yourself around. Oh, 
oh, you won't believe what God told me. I, you, I don't know if this was God or not, but I was, oh, it was big. It was big. It was big. It was big. He don't want you to live like that all the time. He wants you to be somewhat normal, even though you can sense a bigness there. You can sense more to it there. There's always more because your spirit is connected to the word of God and the word of God always produces more. It always increases. His kingdom's always increasing everything. There's more to everything, folks. You're never at the end of it. There are times when I'll I'll uh, do a, a sermon and then when I get as soon as I get where I, I'm I'm a little relaxed and something will pop into my, my head and say, you know, you could have said this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, did you forget about this part of it? They say, wait, well, there wasn't time for it. Well, that's just God saying there's always more. Remember the disciples when they fed 5,000 families, not just people. They fed 5,000. You would think they would run out at some point. I mean, once you get past two or 3,000, you know, somebody's going to get in some doubt and wonder. But it kept flowing. And what did it say? They had baskets, 12 baskets of fragments left. So I don't care what God gives you and how wonderful a payday you have and how great a job. You, there's fragments left that you didn't even get yet that are still there that you can dine on. Nice morsels that will make a, a nice meal. You ever had something that, you know, you ate too much at the restaurant. You put, put it in a little doggy bag and, and then you got home. You're still full. Next day you said, oh, huh? My doggy bag. Amen. That's that's the best part. Because while you were sitting there stuffing your face, you don't even remember how much you ate. You ate so much. Should have stopped at the, you know, ten forkfuls later, you're still shoving it in there. Amen. Sometimes that, that main meal is not that enjoyable when you think about it. But you, them fragments that's left, ooh, that was a good steak. I know it's, it's, it's if I put it in the microwave, it's going to get, well, I'm going to put it in there anyway. And you just enjoy it so much like you did when it was fresh, even more so. Amen. So God's always got more, folks. The morsels <laughs> that we haven't had, the fragments that we are yet to glean from him. They're the best parts. They're the best parts. Why? Because you got memory stored up with that. See, when God brings you a, another fragment onto something else, you know, you got the big part of it. He's giving you a, you know, say you, you want your own business. He's giving you your own business and all that. And, and then he, he, he blesses you with good money coming in consistently. You know, and then all of a sudden, you know, somebody will call you and, and tell you something like, well, well, you know, we, we heard about you, got your own deal now, and we want you to come with. That's the morsel. See, there's more there. It's out of nowhere, somebody just calls you and lets you know they need your services or they need you. Amen. And and this is what God has for all. You're never at the end of it. Don't think you got it all. Keep your faith out there at all times because faith is working on bringing in more. Faith is never satisfied with what you got. 
Faith is always on the hunt for more. Amen? Because faith knows God. If God runs out, if the storehouse runs dry, it never will. He knows God can manufacture more. Because he's the creator. So all he has to see is a child of his is believing him. And he's on the job. Amen? And so God wants us to have everything. We spoke about this yesterday. We are the final heirs of this earth. God expects us to harvest the fruit of the earth, and that's the souls. He expects us to do that. Amen? And, and whatever you need in, in the balance is yours. He don't care about money if you're focused on souls. He doesn't care anything about that. Why? Because your focus is where it needs to be. You're not focused on money. You're focused on him and what he wants you to do. So he'll do anything for people who have the right focus. Amen? And so he wants us to hope in him. When we hope in him, mercy will always follow what we're hoping in. Mercy means you'll get it. Mercy means even though you get faithless from time to time, he's going to stay faithful. Mercy means that he'll wake you up and remind you to pray. You know, you don't have to sit up and make up some prayers. You know, we do sometimes you've been doing what you've been wanting to do and then you say, oh, I forgot. I haven't prayed. I haven't reminded God of what I'm expecting in a while now, you know. And then you jump on the prayer all of a sudden. Well, if it were necessary, don't you know he remind you to pray? And you getting all excited and flustered and I got to make up my prayers I slept through. You know, I missed them. Now I got to get in a hurry to pray a whole lot in an hour. It's all like a little machine gun. I don't know if you're praying or if you're shooting at it. My goodness. Let's get real, y'all. He's the author and finisher, completer of our faith for a reason. Because he know we don't know what we're doing. The sooner we can understand that and admit it and live accordingly, the more peaceful we'll be, the better off we'll be, the more encouraged we'll be, the more hopeful we'll be, all of that. We got to understand what God is there to do for us. If God says he's the author of your faith and he'll complete your faith, how do you think you're going to get into heaven when that time comes? He got to complete your faith to get there. I really now think about it. Anybody expecting to go to heaven this minute? No, your faith really isn't complete for it. It's the only thing that stops us from beaming up, Scotty. You know what I'm saying. Or getting the obituary thing ready, home-going pamphlet, whatever they call them now. You know what I'm saying. Uh, that's what's stopping you. He's working on your faith for other things while you're still here. But when he's ready to complete you, you beam up. But you ain't going nowhere right now. So you might as well work on the stuff you ain't been doing right. The stuff you wonder how, when it's going to get here and how it's going to come. And am I praying enough? And am I... Um, I should be in tongues more. Huh? All that. 
He's working on it. Trust him to work on it. You know, we go 10 minutes without, you know, thinking about God or lifting holy hands or something. You know, when you get in that religious perfection mentality, we all got it. You try to live aside from it, but it pops up. The minute you realize you don't have everything you've been praying for immediately, then that religious thing will pop up. Well, what am I missing? What am I doing wrong? Oh, God, I got to fix it. Do you understand? Just trust him to fix you. That's why a lot of times God will bless us when we, we're at our worst. You know, we just had done something. They slept all morning and didn't get up thanking him for nothing. Just rolled out. Huh? All of the above. And then we'll have the most productive day ever. Didn't it happen to Abraham? He just gave his wife to another man and and God gets her out of hock and he's rich when he leaves. Go figure. You know, if nothing else, that got his attention. He said, maybe I should pay more attention to this God. Because I thought I was doing my best. I've been following him. I've been being obedient. I set up an altar. I dug wells. I did this. I did that. I did that. And I prospered okay. But I didn't get the big kahuna till after I messed up. We will never figure out the wisdom of God. Never. Never. And that's no excuse to go around doing wrong so he can bless you real big. We all know better than that. Amen. Because we done done that. (laughs) Went broke. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? Or close to it. So we know that's not how it works. But thank God that he... He has a plan for us that supersedes our mistakes, that overrides our faults, that is present for us even in our times of disappointing ourselves, not doing what he told us to do. God has a mercy that that causes promises to kick in anyway. Because Abraham, according to where he was in God, that blessing was already on schedule. Amen. It must have been on schedule because God gave it to him. Amen. So God keeps his schedule. He, he, you know, he can't control a lot of what we do, but he keeps his schedule. You got me? And the other thing, too, is Abraham, he didn't have the law with God. He's just operating in his wits like he always did. And then God came in sometimes and helped him out. You see, that's the kind of life he lived. And so then God would bail him out again. You got me? And so if we can't get anything else from that, get from that is that you can't mess up too much. Unless you just walk away from God and say, you know, like backslide, they go back into the world. Who knows where they go? You understand? But you, as long as there's hope in your heart that God is still working, as long as you want to make up your prayers and not just not pray anymore, you're in the hunt. You got me? You got a door into God. You're, you're trying. 
Amen. You're working on it. So so God God will also change your appearance. Amen. Psalm 43. He changed the way you look. I like that. It says here, why are you cast down on my soul and why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. God will take you from a depressed, ugly countenance to a healthy one. He is the uh, just hope in him. Just let hope spring up. It shows on your face. It shows in your walk. It shows in your talk. It, it God will change how you look. Amen. Just because you're hoping in him. Amen. He does it all the time. He does it with, with believers. You know, I'll go up to people and it's some little girl in the, the jewelry store looked at my ID. I said, why is she going to check in my stuff? Well, she, she checked it so she could see if I had an account with them and all this kind of stuff and yada, yada. So I just went to get my some rings cleaned. Ask you for all that. And she said, when I came back, I couldn't believe this was the person on this ID. I said, girl, God does that for me. You know, I, I traded in, you know, some of you got these Christians run these preachers out here paying for facelifts. I refuse to give money for that. Not when God's got it all over the word. Honey, I found them scriptures back in my thirties and forties. I, I, I've, I've been working them for a lot of years. I said, honey, I, I don't know how soon you, you think it's a work, but get on it right now. The sooner the better. That's my anti-facelift scripture. Around here, work acting funny and looking funny. You know, people say I don't look what I've been through. I said, honey, to me, I ain't been through nothing. I'm not even gonna confess to go through. Try to pin no roses on me for ah, what I've been. You ain't been through nothing. Jesus carried you. You know, kicking and screaming and hollering. Oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord. He know better and put you close to the fire. Talk about what you've been through, people. <laughs> All they little fake testimonies. <laughs> you went a day without a job. And then your mama was taking care of you anyway. Don't even start that what you've been through in your mind. It's the truth. <laughs> so many fake people out here. My goodness, where am I? Hope. Thank you. Amen. Hope will change your countenance. We're on that. Why don't you go to 1 Samuel chapter 30 and we'll go there. Hope will make you no longer sad. Hope changes your countenance and hope will cause encouragement to spring up on the inside of you. Just just flip the switch then quit wondering about when it's going to happen. And start accepting the fact that you have it already. See, I have that already. Man, I have it already. As long as you're thinking it's off somewhere and and it's it's you're waiting on God to show it to you, give it to you something, you're going to start languishing. You're you're not going to be as full of faith and as full of expectation as if you receive it now. You prayed about it. You want it. So you have it now. You need to start confessing that you have it now. And trust me, your little face will light up. Amen. 
your little where your little knitted brow and straighten out. You got me. That's one reason not to look worried all the time. You don't want that look crawling up on you and staying. You know, you look at one day them little them little concern looks and formed a little family up there and say, "Oh Lord, child, be looking for Miss Alicia to make you some bangs to thaw." Girl, give me a little bang to put up there, please. <laughs> Amen. Give you a permanent bang. But hope causes your countenance to change. And that's everything. Because, and I'll tell you, it makes a difference in leadership, what your leadership displays. You got me? You don't want to be under the authority of somebody who's nervous and worried all the time or who has that oh you know that kind of thing you you don't need that you need somebody that that is confident in god because it's possible for them to get that confidence they don't have to look like what they going through all the time you know what i'm saying so david was was that way it took him higher than than uh, uh the the doldrums ever could have taken him. So in in First uh, Samuel thirty verse one, it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and had smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. Now, even though this is a disaster for all you Titanic lovers, Amen. There was mercy here. So you got to understand that. I don't care what hits you, what bad news came to you. You need to look for the mercy in it because if you belong to God, there is mercy in it somewhere. That in itself is enough to turn your countenance around if you begin to hope. But you need to understand that even with all of this, as bad as it looked by appearance, there's still mercy in it somewhere. So you belong to God and there's you start looking for mercy as soon as you can. And had taken the women captives that were there and slew not any either great or small, but carried them away. Now David didn't know that. They knew they were taken probably knew they were taken away live, but not how many of them and not what happened to them afterwards. You got me? And so David and his men came to the city and behold it was burned with fire their wives their sons daughters were taken captives david and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep amen so this was devastating to them appearance wise and david's two wives were taken captives ahinoam and the jezreelite and abigail the wife of nabal the the rich lady Carmelite, <laughs> amen, the sister with everything. And David was greatly distressed. Why? Because not only did he suffer loss, but the people's loss weighed heavy on him as their leader. Leaders who care about people pick up their burdens as well. But good leaders know how to take those burdens to the Lord immediately. Amen. Now, we're going to pray about this. We're not going to accept this. This is not God's word. It's not what God has for you. Let's get after it.
Amen? In, in a way you go on the prayer and expecting God. And so it says David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him because they were so upset they got angry. And angry people are a trouble to anybody. Amen? Because their anger is validated, but you got to move beyond anger and you got to move into God's mercy and you got to move into action. Amen. So you cannot stay angry. And some people just like that. They like wearing angry everywhere. Amen. You know, they'll have uh, five T-shirts looking at them and they get the one that's got some little demon sitting on it so they can impress people with how mean they are. Huh? They put the demon shirt away. You know, I had to fuss with people. We the ministry made T-shirts so that we could all have that, you know, identity and all that. And then somebody's gonna always show up with a worldly shirt on at a ministry function. I said, go take that off. And I wasn't nice about it either. You know, you can just see the rebellion in people. They ah, all these Christians looking all the same. I'm gonna go in there looking all stupid. Yeah, I said it. And if you're still doing it, you're stupid. You need to want to, that may, you know what, when you stand before God, he's going to say, I told you to go preach. Did you ever witness to anybody? And you say, um, well, you had, I had to make you t-shirts that would have opened a door for you to witness to people. Did you ever wear any one of those? Keep wearing what you want to wear. But David did something different. As a leader, he had to snap out of it. Amen. It's like, girl, get yourself. I can't tell you the times that God has told me, we snap out of it. Amen. It's like, come on, like Job. Get, get up and go get dressed or something. Get out of that. So he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. In other words, he gave himself hope. If he had gone into it hopeless, he'd have got himself and everybody else killed. You don't follow a hopeless leader. You don't follow somebody who's always whining about something. You know, if you don't give, we're going to go out of business. Go out of business. If that's all the faith you got in God, he didn't put you in business anyway. If his ends is that short, my goodness, kind of God you serving. You've seen them preachers. They get on crying. I ain't going to mention no names, but y'all know who I'm talking about. Crying in big crocodile tears. And I just got the bill for the ministry. We don't get so-and-so dollars. We go, boy, bye. Sorry I even turned on. You want to get encouraged. You don't go. You don't look to leadership to cry and whine to you. Now you got to empty your pockets to make them quit crying. No, no, no. We ain't going there. Find you somebody who is a self-encourager. Find you somebody who has resident hope that they need, they know how to resurrect on their own. Find somebody who knows where they're going and can get you there. Amen. And quit this whining and quit giving the people is always begging for something. Give the beggars. You know, I might be down to my last, but I, God said, God said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell y'all. Because people ain't going to do nothing for you. Oh, you say vain is the help of man? 
Amen. He said, I'll take care of myself. Thank you very much. Amen. But you have to be that way, folks. You be careful about who you submit to and who you're around and let speak into your life. You want somebody who's encouraged. You want somebody who's strong. You want somebody who's going to pounce on the devil with you and not leave you holding the bag. Amen. Why do we stop? Father, we love you and we thank you for blessing us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. We praise you. We magnify you. Thank you, Lord. You're worthy, worthy, worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be adored. You're worthy to be glorified, worthy to be magnified. You are high and lifted up and highly exalted. Father, I thank you for the lion that you put in your people. I thank you, Lord, for the courage that you put in your people. We're not afraid even unto our own death, Father, is what the book of Revelation says. We love not our lives even unto the death. We give everything over to you. So we thank you, Lord, that as we give to you, you give to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. We have the excess and the overflow of God. Thank you, Lord, for the excess and the overflow of God in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the excess and the overflow in our lives. In Jesus' name, thank you. Give is what the Lord give, 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 give. Don't worry about what you're getting. Just pay attention to the giving aspect of it. Because I take care of the results. I take care of the reward. And I have an overflow for my people. When they look only at the part that they're responsible for, then before they know it, the overflow is caught up. I expect you to live in the overflow so that you have more to give. I'm looking for faithful givers, says the Lord. I am looking for faithful sowers so they can be faithful reapers. And the Lord is saying, just pay attention to the giving end of what you do. Keep sowing seed for me. Keep doing good. Keep blessing. Keep loving. Keep encouraging. Keep giving out. Give out of my spirit to those who are weary. Give out of my spirit to those who are weak. And you will have an overflow following. You'll have more than more than more than more than enough, says the spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus.